Good morning, afternoon, and evening, Supercoach Elites. Welcome back to another Supercoach Elites podcast, proudly sponsored by the guys at exoticlimo.com.au. My name's Corey, and as always, alongside of me is the Bombs Express. Choo choo! That's right, Corey, the Bombs Express is back. And today we'll take the team previews of the Greater Western Sydney Giants and the mighty Hawthorne Hawks. But before we get stuck into that, Corey, where can the listeners hit us up on social media? Uh, find us on Twitter, at SC Elites, uh, on Facebook, iTunes, and SoundCloud, at Supercoach Elites. And as always, on our beautiful website at www.supercoachelites.com, where you'll find all our articles. Beautiful read from you yesterday, Bumps. You've absolutely nailed it. Um... But look, yeah, we're kicking things off with the, what do we say, GWS, the Great West Sydney Giants, and the Hawkers. Um, let's get into it. Let's, let's, we've just been mucking around too much with these things. So, if you can kick us off, who is your rookie at GWS? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna kick us off with the draft slider, Ian Hill, who eventually went at pick 24. Now, I recall on draft night, watching this draft, and whatever bloody station or channel I was listening to or watching it on, they kept saying it was like pick 13, pick 14. Ian Hill starts being selected. Pick 16. Ian Hill doesn't mean selected. Anyways, he went right down at pick number 24. Um, now, he is exactly kind of like these last name kind of suggests. So think of a Brad Hill, think of a Stephen Hill, and that's exactly what you're going to get when you pick someone like this. He is very, very lightly framed. He only plays 64 kegs last year. Um, and that was the he was the lightest in the draft by five kilos, believe it or not. Stands at 175 centimeters as well. So look, he's a very lightly framed, very speedy, very very talented uh, footballer. He averaged 20 possessions a game and 1.7 uh, goals um, in the Waffle Colts uh, last year. Um, and then when he went up to reserves, though, he did struggle a little bit. But I think in that GWS forward line again, like we spoke about the Cats a few days back. You know, they want to kind of increase forward pressure and that sort of stuff. This is why this guy has been brought into the club exactly for that. Uh, mine is Isaac Cumming. So I'm, I'm, I'm very worried <laughs> about Hill. Um, the the Cum Express, Isaac Cumming. Um, <laughs> that's the nickname we'll run with this year. Uh, getting risky already. Um, can you want to give us the rundown about how bad uh, the Sea Express destroyed you early or late last year? Well, put it this way, cause the Bombs likes a player in his team who can last a little while, and uh, the Cum Express only lasted two games last year. I've just had to swear there just to get my uh, sort of just bring myself back on track here and just kind of tame down the uh, inappropriateness of this nickname. But the uh, the Seaman, the Cummings, I selected him after his first game last year. I was that impressed, and because I needed a downgrade option down back, so I'm like, yeah, just you know what, I'm going to go. Um, I can't remember, I honestly right? can't remember. It was would have been around the buys. No, remember, it was before the buys. I remember the conversation. for him to get selected during the buys. It fit my buy structure perfectly. He played a first game. I was relatively okay with how things were going. And then he went and played game number two and then got dropped. Um, so I didn't get any price increase. I didn't get him during the buys or anything like that, I don't think. Um, oh, no, I did get a point from him during the buys. It just wasn't enough to, um, to get me over the edge. Yeah. Um, anyways... 
But um, look, man, he's, he's your man. He absolutely scarred me last year. But what I can say is this. In the uh, in the knee pool, he, he absolutely dominated. He and it's not dominate. hard to dominate that level. But his numbers and stuff from last year in the knee pool um, was very, very good. He, he ranked fifth at the club for total score launches and number one of any Giants defender. Um, and that's in very, very limited kind of sample size as well. So um, he's got some skill about him, but it's a, an incredibly hard back line to crack into, particularly when they've got a returning um, Zach Williams. I remember last year just thinking, all right, next week will be his week. Next week will be his week. They've got a couple injuries. They'll bring him in. Great overhead. Mm. Uh, just so good by foot too um, and loves pressure as well loves to tackle it just shows you how you know how much of a powerhouse that club is because I think um, Isaac Cummings probably getting into almost <laughs> probably 18 oh not 18 that's the whole competition like 16 different back lines in the comp he's just he's a freak he's so good and I've got huge wraps on him um, I can't wait for coming to to get back into the into the uh, thick of the AFL um I'm holding my breath here trying not to laugh for the past minute just hearing you talk because I just keep replaying the Cum Express. Uh, so look, I'm um I'm all about him and I think uh, I think he'll get a go at some stage this year and I think he's gonna he's gonna be great and he's definitely gonna go up on his average of forty supercoach points from last year. <laughs> If he gets the chance to do so. <laughs> All right, you want to take over here? We could probably try and get back on track. We can try and get back on track, and uh, we'll, we'll move over to the mid-prices. And um, they've got three that, look, it's not without reason that teams may even start all three of these guys. Now, I'm only going to speak about one, and that is Shane the Fornox Mumford. And the reason I'm going to speak about him is because I dubbed him the Fornox, and I, and I wrote an article uh, early in the preseason about him. And I think at 320,000, someone who you're pretty much guaranteed to average over 90, and we spoke about this on the previous pod, a guy at kind of 300K, a guy's priced at a 90 average of worth about 480, 490. We'll give you a look at that kind of second ruck position there as well. He's had the year off. He's laid off the sausages. He's off his coat bender. He's had his imposed club suspension for the first two games of this season. But if we can get him matched up with a ruck three who's really, really cheap, I think this is going to be one of the most popular selected players in Supercoach this season and something I will guarantee do if I can find the coverage for rounds one and two. This is all assuming that we are very, very confident that he's going to come in at round three. But it's fair to say when Dawson Simpson is your only other ruckman on the list that you're probably playing Shane Mumford at every given opportunity. Well, as mentioned the other day, in our um, crossover pods, I think he's going to finish in the top five um, scoring, averaging Ruckman by season's end. I love everything about him. I mean, he's one of the he's one of the only few Ruckman in the comp at the moment who's um, finished in the top five averaging Ruckman over the last couple of years he's played besides besides last year because he obviously didn't play. So um, I'm huge on the Phoenix. I just want to have a quick question, Mons. Should we yeah. make a poll of um, better nickname, Phoenix or the Cum Express? <laughs> should we get that up on Twitter? I reckon we should. See what the fans Jesus. think. You don't want to end up with a Facebook and Twitter band here. I'm just not sure if we can roll with it. Oh, <laughs> God. 
<laughs> you could look at just called oh geez, there's gonna be a lot of nicknames coming out for this bloke. I mean, think about it, the Cum Express, the blokes are just gonna be calling his selection <laughs> premature and they're just gonna be saying they're just gonna be saying all sorts of shit, Corey. I can just envision it. I can just envision oh, it. God. Um look, I love Mumford as well. He was definitely my one there. Zach Williams, I think, will come back in and um most likely take kickouts. He sure always does scare me as well. Um they'll probably split it. I think Zach Williams is underpriced. Did I say did I say Zach Williams? from the start? Yeah, sorry. Um, you haven't spoken about a mid-pricer yet, so you go okay, with that. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm talking about Zach Williams. That's what I was trying to talk about. Um, so I think Zach Williams is... Yeah, I think he's going to kill it. I think he's going to have a great season. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he did sneak his way into the you know top 10 defenders come season end, but his ability one-on-one is excellent. He's Like I said, I think he'll take a lot of kickouts. Um, it'll be quick ball movement, and they, they'll love the fact that they can just put the ball on Zach Williams' feet you know, run his 5'10 and then absolutely launch it. So I'm pretty big on Zach Williams this year. Don't have him currently. I have fooled around with him in my side. But, uh, yeah, currently don't have him in my team. Toby Greenbonts, you bring up... We spoke a couple of weeks about it. We've got a podcast basically named on it. Um, any chance? Any chance? There's no chance for me. Um not with me running the current structure of three premium forward line players, and there's no way I'm going to have him sitting there at F4. Um, I just don't think I'm going to be running that deep because I think we're going to be given a few good rookies in the forward line. And he's definitely, I don't feel comfortable having him at F3 because um, he's probably not even a um, yeah a top six kind of averaging forward. There was that stat that I kind of produced. Was it on my article? I, I wrote I it down. I think it was in there. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, go back, have a look at the uh, Bombs Bargain sections of the preseason here and have a read there what I said about Toby Green. But all in all, it was it was just pretty much speaking about the lack of tons that he scored in his game. So he's only scored five 100s in his last two seasons. So five out of 23 games, he's scored a ton. Um, and in his last four seasons, he scored 18 out of 66 games. And nine of those all came within one year. So for me, he just doesn't score enough tons. I get that he's a mid-pricer, but I feel like people are selecting him to be a premium. I just want people to be aware that, for me, he's not a premium. I'd expect his ownership probably to start dipping. I think he's back out running now, which is a pretty good sign, but I don't know. It's a wait and see for me for Toby Green. Not whether he's fit or not, whether whether he can break into that top six. You yeah. seen the other uh, day, I didn't have him as top 10, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, okay, yeah, just way too scared with Toby Green. Um, your primo? Well, well, there's probably only one or two um, that I, I really like from GWS, and I know that you'd more, like, more likely want to speak about one than the other, so I'm going to run with uh, Lockie Whitfield, okay. and purely because I think this is the number one defender um, this year. Um, again, is maybe I've had a little bit of love for um, the GOS boys this year, but I had another article written on Lockie Whitfield. It was actually my first, and I called him a bargain buy. Can you believe that? 542K. I've labelled him a bargain as a defender, mate. Um, him with and without Kelly, the difference is actually amazing. Um, when Kelly plays, Whitfield goes bananas. Um, and look, you can go back and, and have a look at it and all that sort of stuff. But I think maybe there's more intention on Josh Kelly or maybe they're just generally a better side um, when Whitfield and Kelly are in the team. He might push up into the midfield, but you know what? That doesn't really scare me because he's a great link-up player. The amount of times you see this bloke running down a wing, taking a mark, getting involved in chains, 
Um, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. I, I think genuinely this is someone who, and I was very big on Adams as a defender two years back, and I said he'd kind of average around that 110, and I think he did something similar to that, but I think this is kind of identical to that um, with Whitfield. I think we're going to see around about that 110, and this is someone I want to have from round one, not from you know bringing him in at round 10 at a higher price. I love, love the Whitfield pick. He hasn't been out of my team. Um, but, yeah, mine is Josh Kelly. Um, ranks elite for disposals, meters gain, score involvements, and score assist. Average 7.8 score involvements a game, which is just, it's a crazy stat. He is so classy on the ball. Like, he is the definition of a Rolls Royce. Um, we seen that game last year when he put 205 up on the board. Was that against Carlton? Yeah. Yeah, against Carlton. When they had 16 players on the field yeah. there. And <laughs> absolutely dominated. He can go forward and kick a goal. Another preseason, another year in his system. There is 0% chance I'm going in the season with Josh Kelly. Um, and by now, if you haven't figured out what my team is by now with 0% chances, I mean, I'm <laughs> players, you kid yourself. So my midfield's locked. Um, Josh Kelly, absolute gun, absolute gun, and I can't see how you can how you can not start him. I was so big on him when he was bloody missing, when only playing 16 games last year. Like, oh, wasn't that frustrating? Holding through that, through the whole time. Six to eight week period. Oh, yeah, when it was one week, one week, one week, one week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. That was, that was carnage. Yeah. Never trust a GWS staff member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything to add on him, I don't think he's, there's not much to talk about. No, there's not, aside no. from the fact that I totally agree with you. Yeah, uh, outlandish statement? Um, outlandish statement here is that Lockie Whitfield will be the number one scoring supercoach defender. Your outlandish statements aren't very outlandish. You don't reckon? See, I reckon there's, there's a lot that are... How many players are above him? What's he coming in at, number eight at the start of the year? Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, my outlandish statement is... Oh, I was going to say Josh Kelly to win the Brownlow, but I'm pretty sure I've been quoted as saying Lockie Neal's going to win a Brownlow this year anyway. So. If you get enough players, you get one wrong. Yeah, that's it. They might tie too. So. <laughs> um, Imagine you don't say it, and it's a Lockie Neal, Josh Kelly tied Brownlow this year. I'm going to back it. I'm just going to it to me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, my, my outlandish statement is Josh Kelly and Lockie Neal tie for the Brownlow medal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm about to inbox 400 different... No, nah, gamble responsibly. Um, jump across B-Y-O. the Hawks. BYO bet. Yeah, let's jump across to the Hawks. Uh, your rookie? Um, my rookie. Cow, so you want to talk this, about? this here was um, a little hard to find if we did this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I reckon. But since then, um, we've had some news kind of floating out over the last week or so around one particular player, and his name is Luke Meadows. Now, of course, have you heard of him? Lukey Meadows? Is that... Is you that heard have I heard of Luke Meadows? Oh, yeah, you wouldn't have heard of him. You know why? I, don't, I haven't heard of him. Well, because two weeks ago, he wasn't even on the Hawthorne list. Oh, well, there you go. And, um, look, this, this is why this podcast here and this whole new, you know, thing they're doing, it's hard to actually find numbers on this guy. But everything that we have heard about this fella um, is just that he is ready to go and ready to kind of uh, swing straight in. Now, because he's one of these newly listed players and all that sort of stuff, or, you know, you eventually get that or whatnot, 
Um, 102K. 102K is what we'll expect to see him at as a midfielder. And if we see him round one, he's as big as a lock as uh, old Mark Gibbons. Yeah, not bad. Uh, mine's Dylan Moore. Um, been on the list for two years now, or yeah, one year, sorry. Um, played VFL, this is his second year. Played VFL last year for Box Hill. His last two games averaged 18 disposals, 10 contested possessions, 10 score involvements, and 3.5 goals, and 118 champion data points. Um, but... The one thing that I love about Dylan Moore is, is his ability to find pill kick goals, and he kind of fits that Hawthorne mould too. I think Bruce is going to have to start playing higher up the ground, and they'd love another you know, pressure act forward to come in and, and do the job. Since Cyril left, it's you know he's kind of left it a, a, the void of you know a, a, a pressure situation player. The only knock we've got on Dylan Moore is his body frame. He's so small, like he's, he's tiny, um, but did lead the... Uh, the Box Hill Hawks during the final series um, with goals too. He was the leading goal kicker during that period as well. So, was an inside midfielder in his younger days, but then went and played forward. And I think if he's going to get his opportunity at Hawthorne, it will be as another pressure act forward. But time will tell. He still could be a year away, but I'd love to see Dylan Moore get his chance this year. Fair enough, too. Yep. Uh, your mid-pricer? My mid-pricer. Well, this has got to be one of the most spokely, uh, spokely, most spoken notes. What sort of word is that, spokely? <laughs> oh, well, I couldn't is... talk a lot last week, so I think you've just taken this... mold. You're still, you're still thrown by the Cum Express, I reckon, Mark. I, I, honestly, I'm not going to be able to recover for about 14 days, I think, from that. Um, but one of the most spoken about players um, to this point of the preseason is James Warple. And people are speaking about him because... The Warpedo. Well, not only is he the Warpedo, but they're speaking about him because he's forward eligible. Um, owned already in over 7% of teams. It's insane. Wow. Priced at wow. 395000 Now, why people think all of a sudden Tom Mitchell goes down, this guy is going to be like the absolute GOAT. Um, to me, it's got absolutely no bearing. I think he probably would have been better with Tom Mitchell in the team and more likely to break out with Tom Mitchell in the team than this bloke is to break out without him in your team. I'm going to speak about him as a mid-pricer, not because I want people to select him, but because I want people to avoid, because I think that this is the trap 101. I can guarantee you his JLT is going to be fantastic. I can guarantee you any intra-club or practice match or whatever it is is going to be fantastic. People are going to get sucked into the last five games of the year last year. 110, 72, 92, 85, 70, 98. Good numbers. You want to see those 70s push up to 80s. But at the end of the day, he's played nine games of football um, and he averaged 72 in his, his first year last year. Sure, there's no reason why he can't go out and average 80 to 85. But I think if you're going to pick a player at 395K, you're probably going to want a little bit more than that to try to justify that pick. I love the Warpedo. I love him. I oh. think he's going to have a great year, but I'm not selecting. I don't love him that much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I would rather see the Warpedo break out and then I pick him up for 480 to 500k. Yeah. Because it's one of those picks that could absolutely kill you. Um, yeah. I was very confident in Sicily last year, but they're different players. You're banking that this guy's going to go into the midfield and absolutely dominate. Um, whereas you had Sis behind the ball. So when I am picking my breakout players, it's, yeah, I just think there's so much risk tied to the Warpedo. But that, look, there's some coaches who love playing the game of risk, and 
it's probably worse risk out there. But yeah, I'm a big fan of the Warpedo. Um, I would love to see how many teams of those seven percent that own him actually barrack for Warpedo. I reckon the other thing you'd be seeing in those teams, you'd be seeing a lot of mid prices as well. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd be seeing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a given. But yeah, you, you took you took me player there. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, this Warpedo or Toby Green. Where would you go with that? Oh, Toby Green, I think. I'd probably go Warpedo. Yeah. Wouldn't be going any. He'd have to be yeah. running. Um, I'd love to say Tom Scully on a return if he could grab, you know, 200 to 100, but I've, I've just literally got no one for Hawthorne's yeah, mid-prices. Warpedo like was, was the one I liked, but, yeah, you took it. What about Scrimshaw? We kind of passed over him. Yeah, well, look, as a rookie, look, I feel like the only reason why I kind of glanced over him as a selection is purely because of the John O'Rourke kind of thing a few years back where they went and they selected, uh, you know, yeah, traded yeah. in a top draft pick for pretty much next to nothing, and then we pretty much never, ever saw him. So until there's kind of words coming out from Hawthorne that, yeah, you know what he's likely to get a game. What's he sitting at high 140s, I'm pretty sure, in the back line? 144, I think. 144k, yeah. Look, unless he, if he's named around one every chance to kind of be in my starting team, while or, or even on my bench um, down back. But until I kind of get that confirmation out from the club, or there's a little bit more talk about him, then I don't have the confidence in kind of planning my team with him because you got to find those extra funds from somewhere to upgrade like a 117k to him. Yep. Um, your primo. Well, I think with Tom Mitchell going down, this really becomes a well, maybe a two-man, but pretty much there's only one for me, and that is um, James Sisley. Um, look, his pre-season has not been flawless. That, that's on record, but I think his year last year was fantastic. I think we're, we're going to see him produce um, very, very similar stuff, if not better stuff. I think we'll see him iron out, become more of a leader of this club, and not only sort of just go the next step from taking charge of that back line last year and maybe even taking it on some... Uh, on a more leadership-type roles around the place. Um, someone that I absolutely love, um, 104 average last year, went up from 73. There's no reason, I don't think, why he can't do it again. And probably on kickouts and as an intercept mark player, like everything yeah. the game loves. Um, you had a team with him in there yet? No, I haven't. No, I haven't either. But that's probably that's... because I'm pretty, I'm, was being pretty set on my back line. Yeah, my um, my premium defenders have not moved in my back line. Yeah. Well, for a long period of time. But massive on sis. I mean, everyone talks about the fact that he'll probably get suspended. I never go into a super coach season not selecting a player because he might get rubbed out. That's the biggest load of... Particularly when they can average three figures. Yeah, love white line fever. Who benefits most from Tom Mitchell being out? <sighs> well... <sighs> Shields, I, I honestly think Shields. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, people are going to say the Warpedo people will say Wingard people will say this bloke's going to run through there. But I think someone like um, Shields, who is actually a red hot chance as well to kind of get captaincy, but someone who could go all of a sudden from ninety two average to let's say around about hundred. I feel like he's a lot older than we think he is. He'll be twenty eight only at some stage this year, man. Yeah, um, he had so much success at such a young age. Yeah, and look, he's only averaged 23 touches last year, and there's no reason why that can't be 26, 27 touches a game. I think um, he's going to be the one that's going to reap the most benefits because 
he's going to play that kind of similar role that Mitchell was able to execute. Do you think you'll have Wingard in your team at some stage this year? No. No, not not with him going down again, soft tissue in the preseason, um, and kind of just being put off. But oh, I mean, I liked it when we kind of spoke about that Ford podcast um, a couple of weeks back, and I said he was vying for that position with Devin Smith and Menegola. And but the more I think about it, the the more illogical it kind of seems to, to pick him. And I'm I'm just way off the Wingard Ben Megan right now. Your outlandish Hawthorne statement. My outlandish Hawthorne statement. Um, gee, it would help if I prepared for this, but I think they're going to make the top eight again. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Um, I don't really have one. My outlandish Hawthorne statement. Yeah, uh, get to finally reward the Hawks. Mm. It's more of a headline. It's an outlandish headline. Outlandish headline. Hey, but that is within the realms of possibility because... What's to say that he can't, like, explode and become that player everyone thought he was eventually going to be kind of five years ago when he, or however long it was, that yeah. he kind of burst onto the scene? You know, you asked me... free season. Yeah. yeah you, you asked me, you know, just before, who's going to benefit from Mitchell being out? And I said Shields, but like, there's every chance that that could be a mirror. Oh, imagine that. Imagine a mirror top 10 def- uh, midfielder of all the seasons then. Jeez, what's his prize for? Five oh three. Is he five oh three? Holy yeah. crap! You can't you can't even risk it at that. Nah, nah. You'd, you'd probably risk it at four fifty tops, but five hundred seems like an extraordinary price. He's burnt me too many times to go to be doing that shit again. Yeah. All right, mate. Anything else, Dad? Nah, nah. Ah, good pod. All right, Alitas, Thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back. Well, who's next? Melbourne and North Melbourne. Melbourne, North Melbourne. That's it. Yeah, exciting. Uh, see you then. <laughs>